You know, I have one simple request, and that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. Now, evidently, my cycloptic colleague informs me that that can't be done. Uh, can you remind me what I pay you people for? Honestly, throw me a bone here. All right, let's kick it off with the best part of the podcast. That's right, the events, seminars, all in Wichita Falls, June 11th through the 13th is the next one up. That's got about 10 spots left as of right now. That'll sell out. After that, we have August 13th through the 15th, and then October 15th through the 17th. For lifting camps coming up, we do have a coaching development camp on May 8th in Houston at Starting Strength Houston. That'll cover how to coach the squat. Then we have a couple self-sufficient lifter camps still on the list. That's where we go over the squat, the press, the deadlift, teach you how to film yourself and how to diagnose your own technique. That'll be May 15th and July 10th, both of those at Wichita Falls Athletic Club. Then we have some squat camps going on. We have one in Orlando on May 29th. And then Houston at Starting Strength Houston on June 19th. We're also holding our first ever Olympic lifting camp in Denver at Starting Strength Denver. That'll be June 19th. And we'll cover how to execute the snatch as well as the clean and jerk. And Rip will be one of the coaches for that. Meets. We actually have some meets that aren't in Omaha. Not that there's anything wrong with Omaha. But Omaha will be having their normal USA weightlifting meets. And then Nick Delgadillo is holding a classic Olympic lifting meet. Meaning that we're not only contesting the snatch and the clean and jerk but also the clean and press. Wichita Falls is also holding their strength lifting meet in October, and that classic Olympic lifting meet will be July 24th. Starting Strength Gyms are looking for talent. If you're looking to make professional coaching a career, head over to startingstrengthgyms.com and check out the coaching tab for more information. You might get linked up with, you know, you might get linked up with none other than Ray Gillenwater. Ray Gillenwater who's just informed me that he's now identifies as a 45-pound barbell whose pronouns are clang and bang. For more information on anything that I've talked about, head over to startingstrength.com and check out the right-hand side of the homepage. From the Asgard Company Studios in beautiful Wichita Falls, Texas, from the finest mind in the modern fitness industry, the one true voice in the strength and conditioning profession, the most important podcast on the internet, ladies and gentlemen, starting Strength Radio. Welcome back to Starting Strength Radio. It's Friday, and you're not. So, you know, deal with it. We're here with our friend Ben Gillenwater again. We had Ben on, how long has that been? Six months ago? It was just about a year. It Was was it a year ago? A week or two before the world went into full lockdown. Full ape shit mode. And, yeah, uh, yeah that's, uh, it has been that long. We... At the time, we talked about all kinds of things, about cybersecurity and things like that. We're going to touch on those subjects again today, but today we're going to primarily talk about, uh, we're going to lead the discussion off anyway with a discussion about cryptocurrency. I know everybody's interested in that, and I don't know a goddamn thing about it, and I'm probably, you are in the same boat. Most people don't know a goddamn thing about it, and I've got a bunch of questions that I think maybe Ben can answer some of. By the way, welcome to our new uh, studio here. You want to tell them why we're in a new studio? Uh, mold infestation. Might as well. We got a black mold. The uh, 
the worst the, kind of mold. The old kind of. That's racism. Let's, you know, we You're didn't make the better. mold black. You're making better comfortable. Well, the situation is, is we're in an old building across the street from the gym. Our little office complex over there was built probably sometime, oh, in the 70s or 80s. And whoever whoever built it uh, or added on to it at that point in the area we were in apparently saw fit to <laughs> run the condensation line from the air conditioner onto the ground. And no vent. <laughs> Under the no vent. unvented crawl, crawl space. space. Yeah. On the pier and beam part of that building, and it was just the floor was getting squishy and, yeah. and dangerous, and so. And the timing was excellent. Cause I called the landlord's attention to it, and they had a guy come over, and he sawed down into the thing, and and uh, looked around under there, and he said, "I'm not getting under there." Yeah. Damn. I'm not getting under there. I'm gonna fix this. They're talking it's about tearing the building down. Yeah, it should be demoed. Yeah. There's no other way to do it. The, the, the timing, black mold shit is so, so horrible. It's nasty. So anyway, here we are in our new digs. And uh, yeah, it's got a little different look, you know. It's pretty good looking. I kind of like it, you know. It's amazing what you can do for $35 if you, you know, have to. I didn't want to tell you, but it's, it was more like 65 Was it really? Yeah. It went over, way over budget. Well, you owe me 30 bucks. Yeah. That's, almost, that's almost double. Just leave it on the desk right. out there. On Take the it out of up. Bree's pay. That's what we'll do. Take it out of her pay. So uh, that way she won't be able to afford popcorn for a couple of days. <laughs> so oh, there's, look, there's a cord under there. Looking at one of the problems is, is floor is too rolly. I'll just have to be still. It's a work in progress. Yes, it is. There's less mold in this floor. There is no mold (laughs) in this floor since it's concrete. And there never will be any mold in this floor because it's concrete. And, you know, that's good because had we bought this building and there was mold in it, we'd be some pissed off motherfuckers, wouldn't we? Yeah. You know, I know some people that that had black mold in their house. And it's an expensive house over in the cottages, and they, you don't just demo those. They were out of that house for nine months trying to mitigate that shit. And I don't know if it ever worked. It's just hard to kill. Yeah. Gets into the wood, bores down into the wood, and the minute it gets wet again, it grows back out. You just have to gut the whole right. thing and start over. Yeah, Hideously bo- expensive. Pissed off the insurance company real bad, too. It sounds slightly expensive. Yeah. It was hideously expensive. I had black mold in my apartment in 2001, and I'd wake up at night not being able to breathe. It's apparently real fucking toxic. I didn't. I don't think we ever had any problem with it over there, even though the substructure. As was soon as they told us, cold. though, my nose started feeling stuffed up. Right. You know, no, I, those never, things. I never noticed. It. <laughs> I couldn't even smell it. <laughs> well, we I could smell it smell once it. they cut the floor open. When you, yeah, and then about four hours later, it was just fine. Yeah. But man. Uh, you know, I was uh, conscious of it when I went in there, and I smelled for it. And I couldn't smell it. Right, it smelled fine to me, but the floor's going. Yep. You know, it's like walking on mashed potatoes <laughs> that want to kill you. Yeah, yeah, toxic mashed potatoes. So, all right, Ben. Damn it. <laughs> I don't understand this fucking Bitcoin shit. I really, I really don't. Uh, 
I've got several questions about it, and uh, I know that uh, everybody has finally gotten interested in this. Yeah, and uh, sure seems like it. It's on the news a lot. <clears throat> it's on the news a lot. I've heard that uh, there are businesses. A buddy of mine told me today that there's one of the dealerships here in town will accept Bitcoin for a car. Yeah, I think they're out of their mind. I think that I don't. I don't understand that. You know, I think that's well, they just do the transaction <clears throat> and convert it into dollars. Yeah, and by the time that's done, they've fluctuated by some percentage. Yeah, apparently it's instantaneous yeah. though. So, well, that it's well, you know, we, we should get into that, but it's not. It's not. No. Well, we'll get into that because that's certainly a factor. I mean, if uh, let's say the guy, let's say you buy a car for. $55,000, and today, Bitcoin is, uh, the last I looked a couple hours ago, was $55,786, yeah. 55, something like that. Down from 62 just days ago. Down from 62 days ago. The fucking stuff is, it. it's, and here's the problem I've got with it. It's not behaving like a currency, it's behaving like a commodity. Yeah. And I don't know how you make it into a currency if it's going to be treated by everybody that buys it as a commodity. Yeah, yeah. And you I know? think that's the ticket. It's behaving like a commodity because it it's being treated and handled as right. a commodity. It is. Yeah. And until people, if if people treat it as a currency, which it, it's not ready for that, and I, right. I think we can discuss why today, right. but but it's it's not ready for that. And so so people are Jumping into it because they hear about it in the news and they hear about right. people making lots of money. That's, and they that's about the it. only, and they don't know no. any more about it than that. So they jump no. into and, it and it appreciates a little bit and they sell it and they clear 30% and they think that's the best thing that's ever happened. And clear 30, lose 30. You know, it's a speculative asset at yes. the moment. And, and you've got um, people that are willing to speculate publicly and mm -hmm. talk about, oh, it's, it's going to be worth $100,000 before the year's out. And and, and, and and it might. You know, it has been on an upward trajectory. It, it has its ups and downs, right. but it's it, overall. It it's wiggles. It looks like a, you know, yeah. a diminishing returns curve at the front of it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's and so that's the thing too, is that's Bitcoin. Bitcoin is is a cryptocurrency. It's mm -hmm. it's what some people would consider the original thing that kind of started this whole when thing. When did it start? Two thousand nine. So right. And, this, and since then, how many others have come along and, and attempted to fill that same niche? Thousands. Thousands of different yeah. of, of cryptocurrencies. Yeah, people call them altcoins. So Bitcoin is like the Kleenex of cryptocurrencies. It's just the brand that mm -hmm. sticks. Right. But it's just one of them. It's a good, it's, it's a good one. It's got a is lot of really... Is it the most expensive one right now? Yes. Yeah. And it's it's the most speculated upon. It's it's right. it's the one that everybody talks about. It's it. There's a there's. A, whenever you do something new, it's hard to establish a brand. And mm -hmm. Bitcoin, by just, you know, the way things have just worked out, has been established as the brand of cryptocurrency. Right. But it's um, it, it's akin to the beginnings of the internet mm -hmm. in the '70s when it was called the ARPANET, developed right. by the Depart Department of Defense. Mm -hmm. It, it wasn't something that consumers are supposed to use or even know about necessarily. Right. It's infrastructure. It's, it's the development of protocols and standards. And this is how things might work hypothetically if people build 
things to ride on the infrastructure. Mm -hmm. So the um, the internet, for, uh, as the analogy, mm -hmm. in the 70s started off as something that was a set of standards, a set of hypotheses about how things might work. If if certain things are built certain ways, people may be able to communicate and, and share data across far distances. But in order to allow that to happen, there have to be a bunch of layers put in place from bottom up. So the, right. the bottom layer is physical, it's, it's wires and cables. The next layer after that are the things that the wires and cables are connected to, like network switches. The things after that are the things that the network switches are connected to, like servers, physical servers, and then you have logical servers, and then you have applications, and so on, until eventually there's people using those applications. Right. But all those layers have to be built and stacked on top of each other. And cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ether, Monero, Litecoin, Zcash, there's all these ones that are generally known, are in the early stages of building up those stacks. And you, not until you finish building the stack, the technology stack, is it ready for consumers. Mm -hmm. And so you have- and So where are we in that process? We're at the sort of protocols and standards layer for the most part. There haven't really been any applications built. Um, there's a bunch of ideas on applications, but there hasn't been any really put into use. There's people prototyping things, but nothing is ready for the public. Nothing's consumer facing. So what you have is- They don't seem to know that though. No, but you have right. people speaking publicly about this <coughs> thing that you can buy that will might make you rich if you buy it and hold on to it. Mm -hmm. You know, and there's there's risk involved because the only reason it's worth $55,000 right now, well, there's two reasons. One is the speculation, that's the primary one. Mm -hmm. The second one is that over time the supply diminishes. So so Bitcoin specifically is limited to only ever have 21 million Bitcoin that can exist. Right now we have I forget the exact number, 19 roughly million. So whoever created this, and from what I understand, we don't actually know. It's a, it's a, it's a pseudonym, right. Satoshi Nakamoto. Right. Nobody knows who that is. Right. Created this, and the idea is that Bitcoin can be mined, quote unquote. Yeah. And uh, this is uh, confusing to the lay person. Yeah, right. because if Bitcoin is worth fifty five thousand seven hundred eighty six dollars right now, it's valued is valued in dollars. Its valuation is in dollars, like any other commodity. Yeah, that's a valuation right. that we most commonly see in the U.S. Right. I mean, it'll, it's valued against other things too. Well, it's that's... valued against other fiat currencies besides the dollar. Yeah, but. But that's, Why that's the primary is, one. Is if you buy it and sell it in fiat currencies, it's either, and, and currency trading takes place. George Soros has made satanic levels of money doing that. Yeah, doing the whole like international whole currency. Thing, moving cryptocurrency or, or, or fiat currencies around. Like for, taking advantage just, of foreign exchange rate, taking advantage and, of rates and stuff. And if you've yeah. got hundreds of millions of dollars at your disposal, you can make twenty grand a minute with it. Sure, uh, it's got to be an interesting. Takes money game to, to make money. <laughs> yeah, it's just a game he's playing, and he's yeah. real good at it. And he's, yeah. you know, uh, 
his, you know, a lot of people have benefited from his brilliance, I suppose. And uh, I, I don't know, though, about about Bitcoin because it's it's fundamentally different. Whoever created this had to have interested enough people in it to start the process of mining it, as it were, and yep. then once some of it existed, uh, other people bought it from them. So the supply of it is created yep. out of thin air. But yeah, out but of it's, thin air. It's through mathematical processes that are not tangible. Right. Yep. And then people take money, fiat currency, dollars, euros, the two prominent fiat currencies in the world. Yep. And buy this product that's been dreamed up out of thin air. Yep. I don't I <laughs> I just can't get comfortable here. Well, and I, so and it, here's the here's the part that that's real interesting to me. To mine Bitcoin, what do you have to do? You have to guess the answer to a mathematical puzzle, which you can do on paper, technically right. speaking, if you have enough time. Right. Which you don't because it would take however many millions of years to make the right guess. But, right. but it's effectively computers guessing the answer to a problem. Right. And once they find the answer, it's almost like finding the right key to a lock. It fits. Right. And if the key fits, you are rewarded with X amount of Bitcoin. And that's written right. into a database. Once again, I am uncomfortable <laughs> now when i when i go out to uh the uh for example the electra oil field out here west of town and i buy some production i pay somebody for some production and what that means to those of you that aren't familiar with the oil business is there are a bunch of wells out there and out of those wells comes oil and when I buy the production, I'm I'm buying the existing wells that are producing oil right now. Yeah. All right. So what happens with that production is is the the pumping units suck the oil out of a well that was drilled probably back in in that part of the county back in the 1930s. All right. And uh, the oil comes from far below the the total depth of the well. It was generated from the Barnett Shale, which is a Mississippian age uh, deposit that has a lot of carbonaceous material in it. And over years and decades and millennia and eons, uh, that that organic material is converted to kerogen, which is converted to oil, and then it leaks up into the production zone that those wells were drilled in and it's pumped out. And now we've got oil coming up out of the ground, flowing along a plastic pipe, filling up a battery tank. And then the man comes from the tank truck service and he pumps the oil out of the tank and he takes it to the refinery and the refinery makes gasoline out of it. And I buy gasoline and I put it in my car. Yep. That is, that is, Value, it creates value where previously there was no value. 
when I grow a wheat crop out of the ground, I put seed in it and it rains on it, hopefully. And the wheat and the wheat comes up and I harvest the wheat and where there was no wheat, now there's wheat. And people eat wheat and it's valuable. Mining gold, mining silver. That makes sense to me. Solving a mathematical puzzle. I don't see how that creates value unless the mathematical puzzle is being used by NASA to, uh, you know, go to Mars or something like that. You see the, the, the problem I've got? With yes. That? Yes. So you have resources that are found and then sort of produced and processed Mm-hmm. and made available in specific formats. For which there is a market. Yeah. For which there is a market. Yeah. And I guess the best way to state this is that the answer to the mathematical puzzle that buys you Bitcoin, there is only a market for that because there is Bitcoin. Circular. And I, I just don't. Well, I think I think there's you know, an, um, and, and this is just as fiat as the U.S. dollar right now. This is just it's worth a dollar because everybody has agreed that it's worth a dollar, and that's the only thing that makes it worth a dollar is general agreement by convention. This is a dollar. This is how much the dollar is worth, and it doesn't stay that way. It inflates. Everybody knows that we're in the middle of a, a inflation period right now, the likes of which we haven't seen in decades because of the way these idiots have handled this bullshit pandemic. And uh, here we are in a, uh, in a situation where we're supposed to be talking about Bitcoin as the savior of the economy. And I just don't. I don't think it's know. that. I think, okay, so, so I think two important um, things to comment there. So the process of discovering the oil resource Mm -hmm. and bringing it into a production environment Mm -hmm. can be compared to the cryptocurrency mining process in that in order to solve the mathematical puzzles Mm -hmm. to be rewarded with Bitcoin, if we're just to make it easy, we'll keep talking about Bitcoin. Okay you have to consume electricity to power your computer and you have to have a powerful computer that can make billions of guesses per second Mm -hmm. to try to guess the answer to this puzzle and and the what we're used to is like my laptop sitting on the desk right here has a a, uh, power adapter that plugs into the wall that i think this one takes 45 watts of power Right, super low power device. That's yeah. kind of what we're used to as consumers. The amount of power that you need to consume to take enough guesses at the answer to these mathematical puzzles is such that serious Bitcoin people are buying power plants. There's a power plant in New York that Bitcoin miners are somewhere in the process of attempting to buy or buying. That's just to, hmm. to, to demonstrate the amount of power needed to do this. Right. So it, it's it's consuming real resources yes coal nuclear what you know whatever it might be exactly but what is it generating it's generating a 
an answer that has a mathematical proof associated with it, an answer that's mathematically reliable. So right. if, 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 and it, and it puts it into a database that's called a, a worm database, write once, read many. Mm-hmm. When you write a record to the database, that record cannot be changed. And the re and, and you know that it's a correct, useful record because of the mathematical proofs associated with it. Mm-hmm. And the computers, the tens of thousands of what are called nodes, Bitcoin in this case, nodes around the world running Bitcoin software that verify that yes, that is the right answer. But that's not the question. Okay. The question is of what use is the answer? Okay, so that's the next part. It's hypothetical. The hypothesis posed by this person or group, Satoshi Nakamoto, is such that it might be useful to have a currency that is decentralized, which means that it's not controlled by any central authority to include governments, banks, or anybody. Now, Ben, we're talking past each other. Okay. Maybe maybe, maybe I'm going too abstract. What I want to know is not what is the usefulness of Bitcoin as a currency, because that's undisputable. If you develop a new currency that's outside the purview of the European Central Bank or the Federal Reserve, that's obviously useful. What I want to know is is this currency is based on people discovering the answers to questions. And I want to know what the hell differences it make what the answer to that question is in terms of the market for that information. That's what I'm talking about. It's it's an incentive process mm-hmm. to try to get people to run Bitcoin nodes. Right. Because it's the circular. more it's perfectly circular. Well the more nodes there are, the more secure the network as a whole is. It doesn't make any difference. It doesn't make you you're you're still not understanding my question. Okay. I don't care how secure it is. I don't care if there's only 21 million of these things ever going to be in existence. 21 million Bitcoins apparently is 21 million answered questions. Of what use is the answer to the question? Why does the thing have intrinsic value? Gold has intrinsic value because it doesn't oxidize. And it's a conductor. And it's shiny and it looks nice on women. All right? Women. Okay. Only. And and oil is useful because it burns. It's a hydrocarbon. It is concentrated solar power. That's what oil is, is concentrated solar power. This is why solar power is so stupid. Because it's not concentrated at the solar cell enough to make it do anything useful except maybe run a house. You can't run a freight train on solar because there's not enough power there. There's not enough sunlight falling on a square meter of the earth at any given time to, to add up to a power source. But if you if sunlight falls on <clears throat> millions of square miles of area and shit grows as a result of that and then it dies and then it gets buried and is eventually after hundreds of millions of years turned into oil now we got concentrated sunlight and that's what oil is 
And that's why it's valuable, because it burns. And it stores BTUs. But the answers to these mathematical questions, what do they do that I need done? I think That's my question. I think it's trying to address the way that money is currently handled. So money is currently defined from the bank's perspective as an entry in a database. Right. That's absolutely true. Right. It, that's, it, there's it's, no... it's really not any different than Bitcoin at this point because what we have done to money in the past 75 years is to, is to make it a ledger line entry, not an actual thing. That's right. why it's a fiat right. currency. Right, and that's right. where this whole thing comes from. That's why Satoshi Nakamoto wrote this white paper was to He's address He's just inventing that. another fiat currency. That's decentralized. But, that's so, the only difference. That's but, the only difference. The, 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 it, the answer that you're looking for is, is the, the answers to the equations provide no value. You just no agree value. to it. But the thing right. is you can't decentralize a currency unless you can trust the ledger. And you can't trust... A, some random ledger that's just around. It's the the math. That's the reason I was describing the 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 sort of the mathematical proof aspect. That's its mm-hmm. that's its reliability engine. Mm-hmm. That's how you can say that this is different than right. Bank of America's ledger, right? Because Bank of America's Bank of ledger America can can manipulate their. Ledger. They can manipulate it. It's closed. We the can't. We can't see it. The Fed just creates numbers. Yeah, and that's what money is now. Yeah. And you're saying that Bitcoin, beyond what the process that has already been defined is, can't just be created. Right. So it's it's some very clever people that understand the there's like three fundamental mm-hmm. elements to this. There's understanding economics, understanding cryptography, which is advanced mathematics, mm-hmm. and understanding computer science all three to a deep level. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, most of those are beyond me and beyond most people, I think. But mm-hmm. That, that certainly uh, beyond me. So, that, that, you know, they're uh, they're they're clever enough to utilize this these modern technologies to say like, look, if we're going to use records and we have the internet now with which to share these records, mm-hmm. and and money is going to be recorded digitally anyways, let's do it in a way that works for us, right? And let's do it in well, a way that can't be words, manipulated. If we're going to use a fiat currency. Let's have a damn good one. Sure. That's what it seems like to me yeah. as a guy who doesn't know shit about this. Right? Yeah, it's what it looks like to me on the outside. But the, yeah. just, the big question know. in my mind is what, you know, and to, to your point, Rip, is uh, the grid goes down. I mean, are we just are we just going to uh, be okay with the fact that we're all fucked and, and that's well, gone? This is the whole this is the whole thing uh, at the bottom line. The Apparently, Bitcoin exists as a program running on computers all over the world. Yeah. If the internet goes down, it's gone. Yeah. If the internet goes down and you can't get to your Bitcoin, well, where does supper come from? That's a problem. You know, it's, and, it's and, a giant problem. And, and it's, it's kind of a problem as money is right now. Right. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. If you can't, and that's why cash is preferable. Because yeah. here it is, right there. I don't need any, you know, electricity to give you cash. I don't need any electricity to negotiate with you about a cheeseburger. But if, if I want, you've got seven dollars, 
and I agree to take that for the cheeseburger. I got $7. You got something to eat. Bitcoin's not like that. Now, maybe one day it will be. But, I, you know, the way, the way this is going, uh, the government is, is, is trying to – well, let me read you something. All right. Here's a copy of the 2020 1040. On the front of this document is the following question. At any time during 2020, did you receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire any financial interest in any virtual currency? Yeah. 1040. Right there. It's, it's They're the- already in the middle of it. Right. Oh, <laughs> deeply, deeply. If you if you try to go on, so take Coinbase. That's the biggest Coinbase most popular is another thing I wanted to talk to you about. It's exchange, just right. Yeah. That was a big IPO recently, wasn't it? Massive IPO, and and, and it's entirely devoted to the handling of cryptocurrencies. Right, buying and selling, right, and trading cryptocurrencies. It's a, it's a mechanism by which you can do that. Yep, and they so so take them as the example because that's the one most people know. If you go on there and you and and I recommend everybody try this. Go on there and try to buy buy whatever small amount of Bitcoin you know twenty bucks, fifty bucks, whatever. You will have to prove your ID. You have to go through a process called KYC. That's called know your customer. It's a thing that banks do, mm-hmm. and the Department of Treasury uh, mandates that that U.S. banks and as it turns out, global banks participate in this KYC process. And there's, you'll see two acronyms used a lot, KYC and AML. So KYC is know your customer. That's proving that, that you are you and that you're attached to this bank account and therefore you're attached to these transactions. And then AML is anti-money so we can laundering. tax you. Yeah, basically. So yeah. we can tax you and so that we can follow you. Right. Right. The most effective. And what's a- AMC? Is- a- AML is anti-money laundering. Anti-money laundering. And the right. KYC stuff, the reason those acronyms are often seen together is because the KYC process is very focused on money laundering. Right. Because money laundering funds lots of stuff. Sure. Right? Stuff that sure. that our military and intelligence and, and, and various entities uh, would like to stay on top of. And, and you know, in many cases, and rightly so. And have some of. Right. And have some of, potentially. Right. You know, yeah. Right. Sure. Um, and so the... The Department of Treasury is already entrenched in many, many cryptocurrency exchanges like Coinbase. Mm-hmm. There's a few exceptions. So there's one called Cake Wallet. For some reason, they haven't been, or, they, or, they, or they've just chosen not to do. They're just not interested. The KYC in thing. I don't. I don't know how they get away with that or what the mechanisms are. But you can Cake Wallet is a mobile app. You can go on there. In fact, just from a principled perspective, do that instead of Coinbase because. Coinbase is not is not a, I don't think they're a healthy participant in the future of this stuff. I think it's right. I think it's entities that are trying to keep it free and keep it private and keep it true to what it's supposed to be that are worth supporting. Mm-hmm. So Cake Wallet seems to be one of those. Uh, but yeah, the Department of Treasury they So just a fun little anecdote. I I worked and lived in in Singapore for a couple of years. And while I was a U.S. expat, I got to find out about tax laws for U.S. expats and mm-hmm. all kinds of stuff. I had to hire an expensive accountant in Singapore to do my U.S. taxes. And as part of that process, I had to tell the U.S. government about all my foreign bank accounts, their, what bank 
the account number and the balance at that time. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that as an expat, the penalty is it's either 40 or 50 percent of that bank account's balance. <laughs> so if <laughs> if the U.S. government finds out that you didn't tell them about a bank account elsewhere, they'll take half of it as a slap on the wrist. It. Yeah, which they do because they have agreements and relationships with, with most of the world's banks. Right. So well, that that to me, you know, I experiencing that that pro- now granted, I didn't get fined, a friend of mine did. A friend of mine had to pay the government $45,000 something because he didn't fill out that form. Well, you know, they're But if you I mean, I know people that bought Bitcoin when it was $150, and this afternoon it's $55,786. Yeah. Well, say you want to realize that that uh, appreciation, you're going to pay capital gains on that, aren't you? If if the U.S. government has any way of finding out about it, you sure will. Or if you, you just you decide to tell them. You can't do the transaction. You're supposed right? to tell them. Well, like that how are you going to how are you going to affect that transaction without a bank? Yeah, you 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 you, uh, you can't do it. It has to go no. through a bank. Yeah. It has to go through a bank. If you want to convert gonna, it back to it, it yeah. goes through a bank, you're taxed. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and then even if it doesn't, you're you're supposed to just tell them about it, and you know, they're they're, and I mean, I guess. I just can't blame them for trying to to um, no, you know get in get in there. I mean, I mean the way they're doing it is the government's got to eat. You know, yeah, but I mean, imagine imagine uh, senators and Congress people making decisions on this on this topic, right? The, uh, the fact that they have a separate checkbox on the form indicates that they they don't understand that it it can be treated like any other any other asset. Well, it, it doesn't need a separate checkbox. You're box. not considering like at this point like like it's any other asset, obviously. Yeah, or they wouldn't have put that on there. So it's 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 like when. Governments or big companies attach the letter E in front of words. Mm-hmm. E-commerce, you know, it's always kind of driving me, driven me crazy because it's it's just commerce, right? So putting a separate checkbox on the form because it's cryptocurrency, or I'm surprised they don't well, call it e-currency or something. You know, you know what what they what they've done here. This is an interesting statement. At any time, interesting question rather. Any time during twenty, did you receive, sell, send, exchange, or otherwise acquire? Any financial interest in any virtual currency. Which is and not well not defined. They don't want a number. What's a virtual currency, right? Like, is that right. is that something in my Xbox game? Is that, Yeah, I don't I mean, know. That's quite, you know, uh, they, and I'm, maybe that's on purpose. But Virtual currency, but they don't want to know a number. They just want to oh, know if you did it. Oh, it's not how much. It's just yes no, or no. It's yes, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's yes, no. It's I have no idea. If you tell them no, what do they do? As opposed to if you tell them yes, I don't. Uh, know, I haven't I, read the know, rest of the of the form, but uh, it indicates that at least they're going to flag you for as a. It is. It, would you please flag yourself for us so right. that we can uh, look around and see exactly what you have done? In fact, are you a future dissident? Could be, huh? A future dissident. Are you a future dissident? No, let me rephrase that. Did you vote Republican? Then you're a future dissident. Because that's the way things are right now. 
Well, that's what's interesting to me. You know, so you you and Nick have used the phrase when you talk about public schools, you call them government schools, which which really stuck with me. I that's, like that. That's what they it are. Makes sense. You know, they're the government schools. And I like to think about most fiat currencies as government money. That's a good. That it's exactly the same thing. It's the government's deal, and yeah. it's not for us. Right. No longer. It's for them. So the the, right. the hypothesis behind all this stuff is, let's build something that has the potential to be for us. Mm-hmm. Now, no, you know, I you know I, I don't misinterpret my my questions as uh, as a, a condemnation of the of the is the entire idea. Anything that you can sequester from government interference is a wonderful fucking thing. Yeah, you know, uh, I just don't understand it. And I don't understand it as being fundamentally different from the government's fiat currency. And I think it's a fiat currency in the same sense that the Federal Reserve creates dollars. The good thing about Bitcoin is it's not the federal government creating it. So it's by definition an order of magnitude better. It's it's, And and even better – the algorithm, the software, everything associated with Bitcoin specifically, I'm not sure if this is the case for other cryptocurrencies, mm-hmm. is open sourced. You can just read it for yourself. It, if you're a software developer, you can read it and, and, and see, okay, this is what happens when I participate in a transaction or when I have an entry in the ledger that says that I have X number of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. It, it's transparent. Right. And I, I'm, I'm a big fan of transparency, I, yeah. I think, especially on this kind of stuff. If there's opportunity for for government involvement and for taxation and things, you know, uh, even transactionally, it, it'd be nice to, for example, see governments use a transparent financial system mm-hmm. to where you could see money transfers to and from specifically how much to which entities from sure. from a government. You know, I, I'd like to see giant use chunks this stuff. of the U.S. budget are are not disclosed. Very much so. You know, that was part of my previous life. You, you know, know, you have these black budgets. I mean, you've got hundreds and hundreds of, if not a couple of trillion dollars of black budget going on. Anything? I mean, do you, would you care to speculate on the CIA's budget? I probably should. No. No, you wouldn't. I don't want to talk about that. You don't want to. You don't want to speculate on that. Nobody no, wants to speculate on no, that. But, it, but it, it's big because the answer is so fucked up that you can't. You know, it's it's you it, it's you can't comprehend it. I've seen others speculate, and I've seen estimates, and they're very very big. Right. You know, and and there's the CIA is one of I think seventeen intelligence agencies. Yeah. You know, so it, they're just one, I mean, granted, they're the most popular. You know, they're in all the movies. Well, but they're the ones that are in the movies, but the NSA's probably just as fucked up. Huge, you know? potentially bigger. You know, I've 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 heard estimates that it's bigger. You know, there, there, there's so much shit that goes on that we have no idea. I mean, you've got an idea, and you don't even have an idea. Correct. You know. Right. I really don't. I you, mean, it, you know, I've got... you like, got a real good idea, but that doesn't, you know... I have the smallest sliver of a... Of, as small of an educated guess as you could take, you yeah. know. Uh, yeah, it is, it is just absolutely amazing. And uh, the extent to which that black aspect of the government is now decided to come forward and start doing things to me. It's uh, 
It seems it's, like it sometimes. It's, it's, uh, it does seem like that, doesn't it? And, and I think that's one of the reasons why this thing potentially cannot be adopted by certain government entities because there, there are times where it's relevant to not have transparency. Mm-hmm. But it, that's, that system in and of itself gets abused and is abused. I've seen it be abused. It's been abused since it was created. Yeah, I mean, if you if you limit access to things, it 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 drives uh, people Certain, people's people egos. Certain people are going to use you know? that to their advantage. Yeah, sure. it, it's it's cool if it's secret. Yeah, you know, I can't tell you. Oh, yeah. You're, you're don't, you don't, you're you don't you don't you don't have in. need to know for that. You're not read in, man. Uh, need it, to know that that stuff is is abused, mm-hmm. it, which it, which is really unfortunate because the the purpose of things being classified is rooted in reality. Yes, I understand the need to mm-hmm. not tell the Chinese government how we move our troops around. You know, it's understandable how the Russian government doesn't need to know the inner workings of one of our aircraft carriers. That's that's obvious. That's transparent. But why is the CIA's budget a secret? It, well, know, it, it's, it's, because it's, the number implies that that's the, the thing. Yes, like, because the number implies a level of attention that we're not supposed to understand exists. Right. Yes. I think it's, I think that's a good way to put it. And yeah. and you know, um, from what I've heard, a bunch of what they do is focused on following money. Mm-hmm. It's effective. Yeah. But as U.S. citizens, if I understand it correctly, I, th- I think we're supposed to be able to not be followed if we don't want to be followed. <laughs> what if we don't want to be followed? <laughs> well. Without having been when, convicted of a crime you, or. You uh, learned when you were a kid that you don't get everything you want. <laughs> That's right. Right. <laughs> you learn when you were a little boy that you don't get to do everything you want to do. And this is just the the government paddling your ass instead of your mom. I've heard I've heard uh, a uh, an interesting so speaking of phrasing things in ways that I, I think are useful, like government money and uh, there's a fellow called Roger Veer, V E R mm-hmm. that I think if anybody's interested in still, you know, maintaining interest in this topic, look him up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, he sort of clued me into the concept that money is allows for the monopoly on violence. That's a good way to think about it. Right? So if you That's control the currency, you control who has the monopoly on violence. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the Department of Defense is big and expensive and mm-hmm. requires adding more lines <laughs> to that ledger. And they can only buy equipment because they have the U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. Then that that is our currency to control and use, and and those two things are correlated. And I think that's a really interesting idea. It is. And and I'm not even necessarily. I don't know that I'm criticizing it. I think it's just kind of an interesting idea. I hadn't really thought about it until Roger Veer, <clears throat> you know, until I saw one of his YouTube videos where he talked about it. Yeah. So if, and if you think about who's involved in controlling these currencies. Um, government agencies are one, but but banks and credit card processors and all, all the there's an ecosystem involved. Mm-hmm. And that ecosystem, I mean, we're getting hit from multiple sides. You know, that you've got you've got digital ad companies that 
from what I understand, buy 70% of credit card transactions so that they can associate them with your online identity and serve you better ads. So you're, you're, you're transacting offline, mm-hmm. you know, in a retail store with a credit card, mm-hmm. and that is being attached to you online. And then you're sent an ad on your phone about something else you might want to buy in the store because the phone knows what you just bought in the because store. Because the card told it in and the store, including the brand of the product that you bought. That brand can target you again for mm-hmm. their other products. Well, so there, there's a, there's an ecosystem at play that I it doesn't seem it always has our best interests in mind as private citizens. No. And I, I, I'm fascinated by this stuff and, and the reason that I've been playing around with this stuff for, I don't know, eight or nine years um, is, is just to, to get a feel for, is this, is this possible? Can we, can we have privacy in our transactions? And it's worth saying that Bitcoin in its current form has some privacy limitations. You know, so in the same way when the, when the NSA you know, talks about collecting metadata and they go, it's just metadata. It's just which phone numbers are calling which other phone numbers, right? But until you find out that a certain phone number belongs to Mark Ripito, right. now you find out, and you find out who, what other phone numbers are, you right. start connecting the dots. And how, do you not, how, do, well, how do you not understand that the metadata leads to personal data? Right. And it so, always does. So Bitcoin is the same thing. If you look at the Bitcoin ledger, it's a bunch of really long strings of numbers sending Bitcoin to other really long strings of numbers. Mm-hmm. But there are forensic analysts whose work it is to try to discover which of those strings of numbers belong to which people. So that so so bit all that to say, Bitcoin is not the panacea of privacy. Right. It's uh, probably an improvement over what we have now. I'd say quite an improvement. Mm-hmm. There are other cryptocurrencies that are that are deeply focused on privacy. So one that I like is called Monero. Mm-hmm. Um, and Monero generates a a new wallet address every time you do a transaction. So there's no trail to follow. Right. It breaks the trail every time you transact. Uh, interestingly enough, these privacy-focused cryptocurrencies like Monero, you can't buy those on Department of Treasury-controlled exchanges. The exchanges that participate in the KYC AML process mm-hmm. generally don't sell Monero. Really? The government of Japan does not allow its citizens to buy Monero. <laughs> if I understand it correctly, the government of Australia does not allow its citizens to buy Monero. It, nothing would surprise me about the government of Australia. <laughs> At this point, I totally no, agree. Nothing would surprise me. Does New Zealand maybe even worse. And so there's, yeah. there's, I, I, I find that very fascinating, you yes. know, that, that, uh, okay, well, sure. Bitcoin, check it off on your 1040. Tell us, are you a future dissident? But Monero, don't know. We don't want you to have that. That that's yeah, actually private. That's a way for you to evade our scrutiny. Right. And yeah. and and what they do is they say, well, look, it's used by criminals. So do cheeseburgers. You know. Yeah. I don't think that, it's a, it's it's a tool. <laughs> Tools get used for things. Yeah. Yes, they do. Uh, good, bad, and in between, you know. Right. Uh, with with freedom, I think comes the positives and the negatives. You know, freedom of speech—you got to let people say bad things. 
right? Like freedom of, of money in this case. Well, if you spend it on bad things, that's why we have laws. And if you do something illegal with it, cool, let's, let's go after that. But this whole kind of trying to predict crimes or trying to prevent crimes, my, my personal philosophy is if somebody commits a crime, go after them. But until that point, don't try to predict whether they're going to do it or prevent them from doing it. Focus on the outcome. Right. Don't measure the input. That's just my thing. I don't know. But Well, I, you know, Minority Report was an yeah. interesting story, wasn't it? Right. And the uh, movie was interesting as well, wasn't it? So tell us, uh, you know, with all of this, all of this shit we've just discussed, um, what should I do? Should I own some Bitcoin? How do I work this into my deal? Do I, is it, is it good? Is it a good idea for everybody to have some of this? Where is it going to go if I do work this into my portfolio? What, uh, what, you know, what is the upshot of all of this initial cryptocurrency activity? There's what do you think's going to happen? Or do we just you wait know? to see what happens? And, yeah. You know, start What's the smartest way to do this? Do you want all those layers that you talked about previously in place before we jump into the middle of this? You know, like, for example, if a, a guy who has been a stubborn asshole and has not gotten on the Internet until now, you know, I got on in 96, you know, which is probably a little late, but I, I jumped in the fucking thing in 96, uh, and I've watched this the development of this amazing information exchange capacity that we've we've developed over the past 25 years what is a guy jumps in on the internet discovers you yahoo.com gets a gets a gmail address today and he gets online i don't know what that guy does what look at all of this insane shit i mean you know yeah he'd be awfully confused you know he'd be awfully confused we having been on it the whole time when it was dial up and and watch the evolution of all of this stuff and all the improvements and everything. And we've learned that a spam email you just delete, you know, that there's really not an oil that you can rub on your head that makes your hair grow. Or a Nigerian prince that's going to give you $10 million. Or a guy that let his wife, loaned his wife to African tribesmen for their elongation secret. So, you hadn't seen that one? That, I haven't gotten, oh, you hadn't seen that, that Yeah, that's, uh, it's amazing. <laughs> but a new person on the Internet sees all this bullshit, and they think, what the hell is going on? You know, but that's the upshot of waiting until all of the layers have been developed before you, before you jump in on Bitcoin. I mean, are we at some point in time going to be carrying bitcoins around in our wallet, in our front pocket, and using them to buy gas? How can this possibly occur? I hope so. I think it, it's going to take quite a lot of things to go down. I mean, you have to, it's an it's a new it's a new ecosystem. You know, I, I heard yeah. somebody ask me the other day, is it similar to how Apple Pay was deployed? Right. So right now, when you go to most stores, you can tap your phone or your watch on a terminal and it transmits your credit card data to the terminal. And, you, you know, you're paying with your credit card, but you didn't use your credit card right. f- physically. In order for Apple Pay to in order for that to work, 
Apple Bay had to collaborate with all the people that make those terminals mm -hmm. and all the credit card companies that run the, the transactions through those terminals and then all the merchants that buy or rent those terminals from the credit card processing companies uh, and, and, and convince stores, for example, to change their terminals. The, when the stores are like, right. we have terminals, they work, right? That's, so that's a, that's <laughs> a really- Why should we spend $700 piece on these new ones when the ones we got work just fine? Yeah, so it's a very lengthy process because sure. in, in many cases, you just have to wait for that store to finally say like, oh, our terminals are too outdated or they broke or they, right. let's, you know, whatever. Uh, right. so, so, so Apple Pay is an example of that where you, they built out and they've done it globally. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and this is way harder than that because this is a different money, right? That's the Apple Pay thing right. is, is to keep using your same money. You don't have to get a different bank account. You don't have to figure out how to use right. a digital wallet. You just tap your phone on a thing and the rest of it's the same. And that was super well, hard. Well, buddy might told me today that Patterson out here will take Bitcoin for a car. I mentioned this earlier. Uh, if that's true, that's kind of a interesting development. Yeah, that might be their, their way of playing the, the investment game. Right. It it, might it's a high-risk investment game. It might game. be their way of showing uh, advertising friendliness to a, this new idea. Yeah, which There's is, I mean, good, talk about know, cutting edge. I mean, Jesus, you know. It's, you know, that's, that's <laughs> pretty advanced. I guess they'd better hurry up and do the transaction. You can buy a Tesla that, with... with Crypto, right? Okay. Isn't that I believe deal? you. I believe you can. Tesla is one of the companies, and but you know, for them, it's like nobody's surprised. But if the local, no, if no, the local no. dealership takes local Bitcoin, dealerships doing that. Uh, but my God, you you buy a Tesla when Bitcoin is ten thousand dollars, and you bought it with with Bitcoin, so you spent ninety thousand dollars on a Tesla. You spent you put nine Bitcoins down on on the Tesla. And then Bitcoin goes to $30,000. Your Tesla is now suddenly not worth $270,000. Yep. Right. I, you know, I don't know if I'm going to spend money, spend Bitcoin on anything. It's, it's kind right of disincentivizes it. Yeah. Because of all of this, you know. Yeah. yeah. Again, you're buying it with, you're buying an, a, a, co a commodity with an asset because if Bitcoin is appreciating, that commodity is now an asset, right? Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah. And that's, I right. mean, that, and it, I and mean, if gold, gold doesn't fluctuate, gold fluctuates. It's not crazy, but it does go up and down. It's always gone up and down. Uh, and, you know, there was probably a time when it wouldn't have seemed like a real good idea to take a bunch of gold down to the car dealership and bought a car with that. Because what if it goes up a whole bunch three days from now and the car is depreciating at the yeah. same time? You need a layer of abstraction yeah. from the physical gold, which is, you know, used to be the U.S. dollar, but let's right. just say it still is for purposes of the analogy. Right. In the technology side, you need those layers of abstraction. Right. Those, those layers are the things that have to come next. They require software developers that understand those three big pieces of economics and cryptography and computer science simultaneously to build out the protocols and the applications and all the things for us mm -hmm. to use. And in the meanwhile, it's a it's a, a thing that people are treating as a speculative asset. You know, you, you know, those of you people that are watching this that live in uh, 
oh, for example, Maryland or New Jersey or some shithole like that where nobody has guns. You guys don't understand about guns. Do you know why we like guns? It's not just because they shoot. Guns are a money, they're in a value sink. They are a way to convert dollars that won't shoot into something that shoots. Guns are better than gold. They take up too damn much room. But in terms of being a steady repository of value, you know, I know guys that have 350, 400 guns. Wow, that's, that's not a lot. because that's they a shoot. Lot of guns. Not because they shoot three hundred and fifty to four hundred guns. Yeah, it's got nothing to do with that. You know, you buy a, a, you know, you get a good deal on a Smith and Wesson Model Twenty Nine. You know, it's in real good shape. Beautiful. It's a work of machine art. You know, and you take that and you stick that in your safe. You know, shoot it. It's not what it's for. It's for owning. And it's for appreciation. The fucking thing never, you never lose a dime on it. You know, you're not ever going to lose a dime. You buy a used gun, and it's going to be worth more than you paid for it. At some point, it always will be. Always. I very seldom, I've only bought two or three new guns in my life. I always buy used guns. I want the, there's a little bit of depreciation that comes off of the top of a new gun. Not much, not like a car. It's not like a Dodge or a fucking BMW. You yeah. Know. It's like a You buy a BMW for $120,000, 3 years later it's worth about 2600 well, bucks, <laughs> Yeah. You know. But but a gun doesn't do that. Yeah, it just takes enough off the top to, you know, for whatever profit you market was necessary. Take 100 bucks off the off of a $1,000 pistol. Somebody offers to sell you that unfired for $900, buy it. It's not, I, I, you know, it's impossible to explain this to people that don't know anything about guns, but what guns have functioned as, especially recently, is a repository of value. They serve exactly the same purpose as gold and silver. You want guns because they're good. They're good to have. And they're often well built. They're last cool. a long time. I've got a model. I've got an M ninety eight, a Mauser ninety eight, an eight millimeter Mauser ninety eight that was probably built in the nineteen twenties or thirties. It's got a long wooden forestock on it, and that that Mauser action is like it's got butter on it. It's just such a beautiful mechanism. When was it built? Oh, a hundred years ago. Oh, shit. It's a hundred-year-old rifle, and it is just the most amazing mechanical device you have ever seen. And I don't ever intend to fire it. I mean, I can if I want to. I've got some got some rounds for it, but it's just cool. Yeah, it's so uh, the, fucking – who else handled this thing? The mechanical you reliability know? of those who things is, is fascinating. Oh, it's just – it always works. I mean, who has hauled this around through the mud and – the jungle and the goddamn desert. So where has this gun been? That is, people that don't understand guns don't have any idea what they're, you know, the 35-year-old female Democrats in New York City. No idea. They, they, we might as well be talking to them in Icelandic. 
They have no idea what the hell's going on. It's a different language. They don't understand. And I'm not interested in explaining it. <laughs> well, kind of reminds more me more uh, than I just have, right? Of my uh, fun little anecdote while we're on that topic or fun little story. My grandfather served in World War II, mm-hmm. and he acquired a, a pistol with the Nazi eagle mm-hmm. insignia in on the barrel, right? And and was able to somehow keep it and bring it back home. They let him carry those guns back, and and I they, I got to fire it. trophies. Oh yeah, ten yes. ten years ago, it hadn't been fired since whatever Nazi officer fired it in the forties, right? If it you know for training or whatever. Mm-hmm. My grandfather never fired it, but he had some ammunition for it. The original yeah. ammunition works, and the and the weapon worked. I brought it to a, a range and had the guy look at it, and he said, "Man, I nothing think, wrong you know, with this. I think it'll work." You're not firing modern, high-powered rounds through the thing. It works just fine. It worked. I ran two yeah. magazines through it. Didn't even jam. No, shouldn't <laughs> so have. It's amazing. I, the, yeah. the the mechanical reliability is something that produces explosions over and over and over and doesn't fail. Is pretty awesome. It, it's you know those things are. You know, old guns are just cool. They're just With no so, fuel. I mean, they're the, you just know, so cool. Fuel built into the round, I guess. Right. But yeah. Right. You know, I, 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 I didn't really answer your question about should you buy Bitcoin and should, you know. Right. Here's my answer. It's a high risk proposition. It and is so volatile. It just depends on your risk appetite. It's very right. high risk. Right. So because it's is, speculative. The bottom line is it's not ready to be treated like a currency. Correct. It is it is a commodity still yeah that can function as an appreciating asset or as a depreciating bad idea right yeah and, and it's it's not stable yet and if you are in the market for something that could potentially make you a lot of money and you're willing to pay capital gains on that cuz you will then go ahead yeah and and, but, there, and you could there's actually legitimate things you could use it for Mm-hmm. You know, so if you want to move an amount of money, maybe even a large amount of money uh, across borders or just, you mm-hmm. know, across some geography that might otherwise be difficult, you know, because the U.S. banking system, we're kind of, it's kind of outdated. It doesn't really make it easy to digitally move money. We're still trying to mm-hmm. figure that out where, you know, Europe's got it pretty well figured out and other countries have it figured out. Um, mm-hmm. But if you need to move money, you know, bit, Bitcoin is a way to do that. Convert it into Bitcoin. Yeah, cross right. borders, and, just, and and if it's enough money, the 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 swing and and the amount of money you have to pay for the transaction itself, right? And that and that can cost, yeah, it depends, fifteen bucks, let's say, and and it and it could take hours or days to complete. Mm-hmm. You know, effectively, when you pay that transaction fee, you're participating in in what's basically an auction process, mm-hmm. and so if your bid is high enough, your transaction will process faster, and if your bid is low, your transaction will process slower. But so there's Pros and cons that have to be understood, but that's why I think people should play with it. They should get Cake Wallet and 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 buy twenty dollars worth and, right. and you know. Oh, by the Just way, in, learn how it works. Important right. note: don't use a credit card to buy it because it gets processed as a cash advance. Really? And and let's say you have a thousand dollars. A purchase. Yeah, for whatever reason, the Bitcoin purchased on a credit card comes out. Like you had gone to a, a, yeah. an ATF. Because the credit card companies don't want to participate in the process. They're, they're, they, for some reason, the credit card companies don't want you to be buying these things because they're too, I don't know, like they're, they're trying to protect you from yourself. So how would you buy it? Just Debit card. Debit card. Because if Just you. Wire transfer. Because I think the, the cash advance thing, 
the, the way it generally works, let's say you have $1,000 that you carry as debt on your credit card, mm -hmm. and then you do a cash advance transaction, that the interest on the cash advance transaction always gets paid off last. So you'd have to pay off the $1,000 first, and then let's say you bought $50 of Bitcoin, then you can pay off the $50. And in the meanwhile, it's like 25% APR, you know, whatever, it varies, but mm -hmm. it, worth knowing. If you, if, yeah. you, if you buy cryptocurrency, exactly. use your debit card. Right. Um, or just go to the, just call the bank, have them wire the funds. Correct. And for some people, right. that's more expensive or whatever for, you know, depending on where you're trying to send it. Debit cards. I don't have a debit card and I'm not going to get one. They're kind of dangerous to use. They're stupid. If they get stolen, the person's yeah. using your checking account. That's right. You're using your checking account. I know Dave Ramsey doesn't like credit cards. Dave's kind of dumb about some things. And <laughs> this is one of the things that he – look, if somebody steals my credit card and and buys a plane ticket from Lagos, Nigeria to Paris for $4,900 <laughs> on my debit card, five grand's gone. Yeah, I hope right? you have a nice trip, whoever. Have, you know. have a real nice trip if somebody steals my credit card. And buys the same plane ticket. Well, that's the credit card company's problem. Yeah, not yeah, you're not liable for it. And 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 even if the bank corrects the transaction on the debit card, it takes time. And right now, the other the other side of this that I think is not often thought about uh, by most people because we're, we're okay. We're used to the monetary environment that we've been brought up in. Mm -hmm. For us, it's the U.S. dollar. It's the it's the U.S. You know, for I, I had I had a very fortunate opportunity to be involved in developing a system called BBM Money. That was when I worked for BlackBerry in, in uh, 2010, 2011, mm -hmm. when I was in Asia. And it was for the Indonesian market so that BlackBerry users could send each other uh, money through their Blackberries. So think Square Cash, PayPal, Venmo, all that kind of stuff where we could send each other dollars. Mm -hmm. it, it was to allow Indonesians to do that through their BlackBerry because right. at the time, BlackBerry was the most popular phone in Indonesia and everybody had a BlackBerry. So, so I was, I was in charge of this, this program called BBM money. And I learned, that's how I learned about this KYC stuff. Cause even the Indonesian banks have to do it because they have to share data with the department of treasury, the U S department of treasury. Mm -hmm. The, so let's, so just on the Indonesian side, uh, since that's the market I have some familiarity with, most people don't have bank accounts. Most people don't have the ability to get a bank account. Really? Most people transact in cash, and it's it hampers the the commerce environment. It makes it slow. It makes it hard. Mm -hmm. You know, it makes it risky. It makes it forty years ago. Yeah, and so I I wonder if it's not going to be de developing markets that are going to latch onto this stuff before our developed markets do. Well, kind of like cell phones instead of landlines. Yeah, exactly. Because in, in those in developing markets, they might not be replacing an existing useful right. system. There might be a right. problem to solve. Very good point. We don't really Very have... Good point. Most people don't find this problem to be tangible or really give a shit about, well, okay, so the government can see my stuff. What, are I, what have I done wrong? I'm not worried about it. Right. You know, uh, but... You know, if you, if you live in an environment where uh, you don't have the ability to transact remotely or transact easily or, or, or safely, you know, imagine keeping cash all the time. Yeah. 
how dangerous that is. Yeah, if somebody steal it from you. You know, and these are all, these same environments yeah. are often dangerous environments physically. Right. Like if you sure. get robbed or something, there's no there's no justice system to to, to participate there. You know, well, so it's kind of like Portland. <laughs> you know? <laughs> the the autonomous I mean, zone may need right, you know right. they may need their own currency. Right. Uh, and so I I think I think. Anytime I look at technology, the first thing I look at is what problem does it solve? And does any right. who cares about that problem? Right. We collectively in the in the like in the US, we don't. We don't it's not really big enough deal. I don't think No, I don't think it is either. Certainly you know? the uh, the people I know, with just a couple of exceptions, have not even considered buying any any Bitcoin or no, any other cryptocurrency. But you're absolutely right if you move into the you know the jungles of Malaysia, you know, and there's not any other system in place right now, you know, this thing could jump up into an extremely prominent yeah. function real, real quickly, couldn't it? And it, it could, and, and it'll bring its risks with it because those same governments aren't going to enjoy that. No. no because they, they don't, don't get to Nobody participate. wants to be cut out. That government, no government wants to be cut out of anything. They lose their monopoly on government, violence. Government always wants to be getting bigger, getting more into everything. That's the nature of it. It must grow. It must grow. It's the only thing it must do is grow. Yeah, you can't stop. Once something is introduced, it doesn't stop. No. I mean, we can at least demonstrate that here in the States for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, so I, I think... Take, um, I'm trying to remember what year it was, but one of the systems we looked at when I was doing BBM money was mm. called M-Pesa in Kenya. And that, that was introduced by one of the telecom providers, Vodafone. They're a big European telecom provider. Mm -hmm. And they let people basically text each other money over their, their regular cell phones, not smartphones, right? The dumb phones. Right. You could text money. And it, man, it took off. It was huge. Huge. How long ago was this? This was... Uh, 2007 something like that right around then you know to 12 15 years ago um there there's uh, that's what kind of makes me think that there's there's potential for this stuff to uh to latch on well that's a real good point i'm glad you brought that up that might be the way this thing circles back to more developed countries yeah and, you know, and i'll tell you it, if it, all the bugs get worked out in uh, madagascar you know. Yeah, and and especially in an, in an environment you know, where I, there's more fundamental use cases, right. then the the complex use cases can follow. Right. You know. So I, I think uh, I, I I don't know. I I'm, I just wonder if that's not going to be the way it goes. It very well might be. Because in my experience with implementing technology systems uh, in complex environments, if if the if the problem isn't well agreed upon, then it's it's not going to go anywhere. Right. You know. And so. All building these additional layers, you know what what will what will the incentive mechanisms be to do that? And and that's one of the nice things about all these people speculating on Bitcoin. It's driving a lot of activity. It's driving a lot of people running Bitcoin nodes, and it's driving all these mining computers to be online, which allows uh, the justification for further development. So that's good. I mm -hmm. think it, it it allows the experiment to continue. Mm -hmm. And and. And I'm I'm curious to see how the experiment goes. I think I think it should continue. You know, I, I like well, the fundamentals of it. It's it's going to continue. I think. I mean, it's, I think so. There, it, it's and, going to continue. Unless, uh, yeah. Unless there is a totalitarian takeover of the entire globe, 
Did I actually say that? <laughs> then, um, yeah, I think it'll, you know, it's going to proceed at some point. Uh, it's, I mean, it's latched it, it, on. It's going to have to, if it doesn't proceed, it'll be because it was prevented from doing so. That's what I mean to say. Uh, uh, yes. It, yes. That's, I think, exactly spot on. I mean, it's latched on in environments like Venezuela. Right. You know, where, where Which it's is, like, they're one of the, there aren't many more oppressive environments than that. And it's yeah, still latched on. Their currency's a mess. Oh, yeah. And so people are, people are trading cryptocurrencies and, and, right. um, and, and interestingly enough. Out of enough, necessity. Yeah. And, and sometimes it's a mechanism with which to acquire U.S. dollars or with which to mask the movement of U.S. dollars or just to, you know, get stuff across borders without anybody knowing about it. Right. You know, because a, a lot of the um, mechanisms behind the scenes can use the, uh, I, this term drives me crazy just because I'm a technical, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm technically arrogant, I guess, but um, the dark web. Uh-huh. The, the, what that really is, is it's called Tor the onion routing system. And so it's, it's a system by which a um, communication can occur between two computers, but by proxying the communication through multiple other computers, each of which masks the previous hop, the previous step. Mm-hmm. So if I send something to you, I might send it to Germany first, and then to Paris, and then to Dallas, and then to Washington, and then to you. And on your side, the the telecom provider that passed the packets to your computer only sees that it came from Washington. Right. Just sees the last leg. I'm, I'm nowhere connected to that. Right. And so these these uh, systems allow some privacy from that perspective as well. Mm-hmm. So even the network transactions that are carrying the data can right. be privatized, which, which is which is really cool. Well, is know? there any other privacy issues? Because we, we talked about this kind of stuff in the first first time we visited on the podcast. What do you think? Uh, is going on now what with all of this chaos that's been introduced by uh, this deadly virus that has a survival rate of 99.991 percent and all of the all the things that have been done in the name of this pandemic emergency what has happened to privacy in this so thoroughly fucked up environment we find ourselves in right now. I think privacy um, is often stripped away in the name of fear. You know, like the as, Patriot as Act. is freedom. Well, and, and yes, yes, I think they always kind of travel together. Yes. Um, and and there's a lot of fear. So you yeah. know, you got um, you got these vaccine passports, and w- without without even providing any commentary on the vaccine. Take right. that concept out of it. Right. The idea of the government tracking your your medical conditions and therefore offering you access or denying you right. access to things, it's just not a good idea. And, and, well, and it's, it depends on who you are. Well, whether you're the government or If you're me not, and right. you, it's not a good idea. But if you're the bureaucrat it's beautiful. who has and to that justify case, his existence every fucking day, it's... It's a perfectly reasonable thing yeah. for him. Well, and how else are we supposed to prevent things right. if we don't know everything? Right. Um, and like we said before, the government grows. That's all it does. If you implement a database of people's medical records and, and whether or not they're allowed to access certain things, that mm-hmm. database will grow. It will also sure. get leaked. It will also get misused. It will be permanent. That. that 
that right. that's it's it's just such a horrific idea to see this kind of thing being introduced. But it, people go, well, look at you know, here's some more fear. Do you want it now? <laughs> what if it helps you be less afraid? Well, that's not good for anyone. Is it? No. <laughs> Which well, is just sad, you know, but because it works, this whole thing it works. Whole um, thing is so sad. It's just a, you know. I mean, twenty years ago, who would have thought that we would have moved so rapidly in this direction over the past year? Twenty years ago, you know, everybody was optimistic that maybe we're going to get a handle on this on the growth of this government and the growth of this tyranny. 20 years ago, everybody was kind of looking forward to, uh, to the environment that, that a, an extremely advanced information uh, transfer system would, would allow us to develop. And, uh, and yet, here we are at the polar opposite end of such a thing. Yeah, and, it really and seems the like the same a technology yeah. that we had all this hope for is what has facilitated the destruction of that idea that human beings ought to be able to do what the fuck they want to do. And the and the worst part is this is barely the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, we've scratched the surface. We're just beginning to develop artificial intelligences that can yes. do more than play chess. Right. They can analyze what we think about and what we want yes. and who we are. I mean that this is just the beginning. Skynet smiles. This and so this privacy stuff. I you know I, I look forward and 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 I'm like we might want to really think about how to get more private. Mm-hmm. You know and yeah. that and that's what that's a great idea. That's why this this doing this um, podcast episode today I really think is is like episode two of our tr- of our chat last year. It's privacy. It is. It's privacy. It is privacy. And if Bitcoin facilitates more privacy then let's let's fucking do it man let's do it immediately well and that's you and know? I, and there's i kind of um I, ha- I haven't answered another one of your questions which is the on the privacy side how does the privacy work mm-hmm. um so the we we talked a little bit about the metadata stuff if i can figure out what your wallet address is that long string of numbers then i can kind of figure out who you work with and transact with and all this kind of stuff so let's say there's a system like Monero that that you use instead, and it, it makes it so that your wallet address isn't isn't trackable because you get a new wallet address every time you transact. The then you got to think about who are you transacting with, and how did you enter the ecosystem, right? Did you enter through Coinbase by trading U.S. dollars, or did you enter by going on the There's a website called Local Monero, where you can where you can meet up with people and give them cash. Mm-hmm. and not know who they are and they don't know who you are. In fact, you can mail them cash. You know, you can do stuff that's where you don't meet each other and now you've entered the ecosystem. You now have a cryptocurrency. You have Monero mm-hmm. or you have Bitcoin, whatever you choose to do. Um, then who you transact with is a part that I don't think a lot of people think about. You know, So like, let's say if you take the current common way of buying things through Amazon, Amazon knows a lot about you, right? Oh, just if you were to buy stuff on Amazon oh. with Monero, you're kind of defeating the purpose to a certain extent because, well, maybe some people don't know who you are, but Amazon still does. Yeah. 
And so the you got to think about it all the way through, you know, with respect to if you really want privacy, you got to think about it from start to finish. And I think that's something that I'm, I'm just bringing that up, not because it's a novel idea, but just to sort of state the obvious, because it's not often thought about in that context of really what is the start and what is the finish of the transaction? Mm. You know, how do you enter the ecosystem and, and, and get some of the currency? And then where do you spend it and who with? And um, so there's, you know, the, the whole that like dark web thing, you know, that mm -hmm. that's uh, an environment in which people are transacting anonymously. You know, there's, mar right. there's marketplaces. Is that growing? Uh, probably. I mean, it's big. Why would it not be? You know, it should be. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, it's global, and, it's, and it can be anonymous, but, boy, it's easy not to be. Because if you're not an expert with cryptography and you try to buy something on there, somebody's going to know that it was you. Yeah. Um, you know, people ask me sometimes, like, can you show me how to use it? I'm like, well, how much time do you have? Because it, you know, right. can take weeks to execute a transaction. Um, you know, and Jesus. and don't make a mistake on the way there. <laughs> <laughs> don't fuck up. <laughs> so yeah. the the privacy thing, I just I just lay that out because the currency can be private, but the transaction may not be. Right. Right. So I, I don't know. I think just worth keeping in mind. Right. Um, well, you know, these are interesting times, and uh, we're talking to you guys about this because. Uh, information is power and you need to give some of this some thought some of the topics we've discussed today will have a bearing on your continued well-being and uh, you know we're like like Ben says we're at the we're just at the first couple of steps of a long flight of steps with all this this technology and you need to you know, take the steps carefully, but I don't see a way around going up the stairs. So, Ben, thanks for being here with us again today. We'll talk again soon. And uh, thank you for being here today on Starting Strength Radio. Hope you enjoy our new format. Tell your friends. And we'll see you next Friday. Bye.